This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Hi, this is Dick Morris on the... Dick Morris Show, presented to you by the Patriot Gold Group. And without my sidekick, uh, Doug DePiro, he uh, claims not to have COVID, but I think he does. But he's been sick for a week, and I'll have to try this on my own. Um, For those of you, I assume it's everybody, who are on pins and needles wondering how the election is going to come out, I just got information that really, really tells a huge story about Trump's likely triumph. Uh, This is probably the most significant piece of data that I've ever reviewed in this race. I spoke a little bit about it last week, but let me amplify it now. There's a poll by Emerson University that asked people, how are you going to vote if you're not planning to vote? (laughs) Sounds silly, but first question always is, are you registered to vote? Uh Uh-huh. Are you planning to vote? Yeah. If no, you hang up. But they didn't hang up. They hung on. And they said, okay, well, if you were to vote, would you vote for Trump or for Biden? And Trump defeated Biden among those voters by 35 to 13. Now, what does it matter if they're not going to vote? Well, most of them end up do voting. Uh, 51% of those who said they're not going to vote voted last time in 2020. So we can't believe their, their vow of abstinence. But the data is really incredible. Among these non-voters, Biden had an 87% unfavorable rating, and Trump had an 80% favorable rating. Uh, Trump was overwhelmingly the choice of the voters who said that they're not going to vote. Now, this is totally different from what's happened in American politics in the last, really, 60 or 100 years, 60 or 80 years. The Democrats have always had a large constituency of voters who are going to support their candidates, many of whom don't vote. They're black, they're Latinos, they live in their low income, they are alienated from the process, they don't really care. And uh, the voters who do care tend to be committed and focused and largely tend to be Republicans. But this is a complete reversal. It's the world turned on its head, as Trump is doing in so many areas. Those voters who are not likely to vote, who say they're not likely to vote, are very, very alienated, very hostile to the establishment, hate what's happened to America, hate what's going on in their own lives, feel uh, that they're at a dead end in their own careers or don't even have careers, and they're outraged that the preference is given to other people simply because of the color of their skin. And... The result is that you have a large number of people who say they're not going to vote, but who, if they do vote, say they're going to vote for Trump. 
And it means that throughout this election, as the electorate expands, which it always does as you approach election day, and as attention focuses on the race, the new people who are coming into the race, who are looking now and wondering how they're going to vote, are largely going to go for Trump. Now, about 15 polls in a row that McLaughlin and I have conducted show Trump ahead by two to four points. But they also show a constant group of about 20-something percent who say they're undecided. And you press them and you press them and they won't say who they're leaning for and all of that. But when we dig deeper, asking those who are not going to vote, if you were going to vote, who would you vote for? They say they're going to vote for Trump. And it means that Trump is getting the anti-establishment vote, the vote of those who are fed up with the way things are going, the vote of those who feel that they're completely unrepresented and not really heard from in the politics and are alienated and removed from the process. And normally those votes are usually Democratic votes. But now Trump is laying claim to them. And that's an incredible thing. I spoke with the president yesterday, and I revealed this finding to him. And I said, what this means, sir, is that as the turnout rises, normally that helps the Democrats, but now it's going to help you. And he said, that's, that's the reverse of what it was last time. That's the reverse of what it's always been. And you have turned this around. In this respect alone, there are so many others, but certainly in this respect, you have turned American politics on its head. And he chuckled and he said, yeah, I guess I have. <laughs> anyway, he has, and that's a, a very important finding. Now, um, this show may be interrupted by a gag order. And that's not a demand for humor. That's a refusal to let you talk. And the judge uh, in the uh, lawsuit that's being brought against Trump for obstructing the, the investiga- obstructing the investigation into the 2020 election and for trying to intimidate election officials into making him the winner has led to an order by the radical left-wing judge who's presiding this, gagging Trump, saying he's not allowed to talk about herself uh, or uh, the prosecutors or witnesses or evidence or anything related to the trial. I paid my dues time after time. I've done my sentence but committed no crime and bad mistakes. I've made a few. I've had my But we are approaching a situation very similar to uh, Russia, where the advocates of the insurgent candidate don't get access to the media. And reminds me very much of another song by Elton John. Time. 
so guns and walls can't keep you down, but the gag order can. Now, I believe that this gag order is intended by the Justice Department from the very beginning of this. I think that the reason they brought this indictment, such a sprawling indictment covering 20 different people, by the way, it's now been severed into two trials, one of two people and the other of 17, which is good because we'll probably get acquittals on those two. But the idea is that, that they brought this trial, they brought these charges before this left-wing judge because they assumed that this judge would order Trump to, to, to obey a gag order. And knowing Trump, they knew that he wouldn't obey it. And they are planning, in my judgment, to put Donald Trump in prison for violating the gag order if he speaks out about these charges. They're basically baiting him and goading him by indicting him for ridiculous stuff and trying to railroad a conviction uh, to criticize the process, to act like he's a free president in a free country where people can make up their own minds. And by through that fantasy, he uh, he's going to speak out against injustice. He's not one to be muzzled. But the judge has basically said, we're muzzling you. Now, this order has not been issued yet, but the prosecutor asked for it, and I assume it will be. It is just unbelievable that a candidate for president could be indicted in the middle of a campaign while he's running, while he's, in fact, the front runner in the race, and that that indictment and that gag order could supersede the right of the American people to free speech and the right to free elections. It is just incredible. What could possibly be so important about that indictment, about whether it's yes or no, about whether Trump did or didn't uh, try to obstruct the results of the election? What is so important about that that we have to muzzle the American people and not let them express their opinions about this election by muzzling the candidate? This is so disproportionate and so out of the ordinary for anything that goes on in a democracy. It's very, very hard to believe. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. This is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. This is the Dick Morris Show without Doug DePiro, who's ill today. He claims he doesn't have COVID, but I think he does. And um, I'm, this is presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Now, it's really important to understand what's going on between Hunter Biden and the Justice Department. At the start of this case, Hunter was indicted for two things, basically. First, a charge that wasn't going anyplace, that he got a gun illegally, that he lied on the form and said he was not using drugs and was not addicted, whereas in fact he was. And that's a misdemeanor, and it'll result in a guilty verdict probably. might even result in some jail time. Not much. And the second charge was huge, that he falsified his tax returns for at least two years. And in fact, the U.S. attorneys prosecuting it wanted to indict him for five years and $5 million of unpaid taxes. 
but the Justice Department said we don't want to do that because, quote, the optics would be terrible, unquote. Well, the Justice Department indicted him for a weak version of those charges, two years and several hundred thousand dollars. And the and the result was that Biden's that that Hunter Biden faced two charges, an easy one, the gun charge, and a serious one, the tax charge. The gun charge wasn't gonna go anywhere. Nobody's gonna uh nobody's gonna uh, investigate it. There's no implication that Joe Biden is involved. But the tax charge is the key to opening the entire Pandora's box of all of Hunter's and Joe's illegal dealings. It's the key to it. And uh, by bringing that indictment, they are raising the prospect of a wholesale investigation of the Biden family finances. And that's something Biden cannot permit. And uh, because of that, they have now dropped that count in the indictment. They're not pursuing it. They're not pursuing it because a judge ruled against the indictment and said, come on, you're just indicting him for the tip of the iceberg. Are you going to go after the rest of the iceberg? And they said, no, we're not, sir. This is it. And the judge said, all right, well, don't waste my time. I'm dismissing this indictment. And they came back and they said, well, here's an indictment for half of that, the uh, gun charges, not the tax charges. And that's what's now pending. And again, the indictment is more notable for what's not in it than what is in it. But when you get down to it, this whole gun charge is simply a, um, a screen, a distraction, a, uh, a look look over here at this gun charge. Don't look over here at the serious criminal charges related to his embezzlement, his bribery, and the consequences that flowed from it. wasn't indicted for getting her gun because she was, did not have to answer whether she was on cocaine at the time. But to do these charges, it's like you're getting somebody on a serious felony of major bribery by a major foreign power concerning very important issues and a traffic ticket. And they say, oh, we're going to pursue this to the ends of the earth. But by that, they mean the traffic ticket, not any of the stuff that's really important that Hunter did. And the only way they could shut up the conservative critics of this administration was to indict him for something. It had to be something that did not involve Joe Biden. And with all of the charges against Hunter, it's quite a task to find something that did not involve Joe. But they managed. They came up with this gun charge uh, that was done while he was high on God knows what. And uh, they're proceeding with that indictment. But it's absolutely ridiculous. This Indictment has nothing to do with the real reasons that Hunter Biden should be probed, indicted, and convicted. Let's go to uh, Joe. I don't know if you're Joe Biden, but Joe on Long Island. Yes, good afternoon. Um, First of all, I just wanted to say I believe that the 2024 election is going to be decided in the swing states by the swing voters. And I call because I'm a little concerned. It seems like the Democrats 
have a jump on the 2024 election, and I'll tell you why. Biden is already running ads in those swing states, and I just wanted to know if Trump is doing anything to counter that. No, we're not running ads at this point. Uh, We may in the future, but we have the world's greatest ad, Donald Trump. And every time he speaks, he gets huge numbers of viewers, tens of millions. And uh, it's replacing the 32nd ad with us. Really, in effect, Trump is junking the whole idea of a 30-second ad and focusing instead on long-form speeches that explain what's going on to people. So I wouldn't be concerned about that. The other thing about your swing state analysis, which is very accurate, is there was a poll that came out yesterday which polled only swing states, what you say, only swing voters and swing states. And they found that Trump defeated Biden among those voters by 41 to 35. So that same measurement is the one that in the 2020 campaign we consulted daily, almost hourly, to see how we were doing. And most of the numbers showed us tied or slightly behind or slightly ahead among these swing voters in swing states. And we ultimately carried them, although in some states it was obscured by what I believe was voter fraud. But now we're carrying it resoundingly. When you take that data with the data I was talking about earlier in the show about undecided voters who, when they decide, end up voting for us, I think you're seeing a major tipping point in this election. Have you noticed that the criticism of Biden by the mainstream media has accelerated? Have you noticed that CNN actually ran a special on the lies that Biden told as he campaigned for president? You think that might have been produced in the Newsmax or Fox WABC newsroom, uh, but in fact it was on CNN. And uh, I think that that is indicative of a real swing in the country. You can't ignore the stat that just came out today, which is that real after-tax disposable personal income for the average American family dropped by 2.3% last year. So that is the third consecutive year of a drop. Why only three? Well, before that, we had Donald Trump, and we had increases every year. Thanks for calling. Let's go to uh, Sandra in New Jersey. Hi, Sandra. I enjoyed meeting you the other day. Oh, I I thoroughly enjoyed it very much, and I thank you for that. I hope uh, Douglas gets better quickly. I'm sure he will. I wanted to say about your show last night, you spoke about you know, the, the, the virus coming back like uh, 2020 repeat, and I already see it happening. Um, I have my family in Great Neck. They're going to go to Florida for the second part of the holiday because the synagogue is insisting that you show you're vaccinated, and, uh, you know, one family member doesn't uh, want it, so they're going to go to Florida. That's an improvement. You used to have to show you were circumcised. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my question is this. I see it already happening that they're starting to spread the word that we're going to go for another pandemic. Yes. Are we going to be wise enough to not fall through it this time? What do you think? Yeah, well, we better be. Uh, The advice I'm giving the Trump campaign, and I think they're following it, is that the real story here about COVID is how China created the virus, spread it, and then cut off access to international inspectors so they were not permitted to get to the facts of it. And that is directly related to the campaign money and the bribes that 
that the Chinese paid to the Biden family. And I believe that that really is the story. And I think the more the COVID issue comes out, the more people are going to believe that. The polling shows that people overwhelmingly believe this virus came from a Wuhan lab. They do not buy that it was a random bite by a bat. They do believe that China is culpable for not controlling the virus and for inventing such a deadly thing in the first place. And they believe that Biden has not punished them, no sanctions, no censure. And uh, he's doing that, they believe, by 55% because of the payments China made to him. And I think you have all that wrapped together in a neat little package. And I think that the more COVID becomes an issue, the more that fundamental fact is going to come through. Thanks for your call, Sandra. It's good meeting you the other day. Hey, thank you very much. Hey, Robert. How are you? Pearl River. Hey, how you doing there? How are you? Good. Doing great. Um, so, you know, I'm worried about these. How is he going to get around these indictments to raise money and he's going to uh, overcome these things with his trucking and then this other one? Well, raising money you won't know, be a problem. The more they indict him, the more money he gets. And uh, the more it overshadows the normal operations of the campaign. Increasingly, this whole thing is coming down to the indictments. And uh, I believe that, first, there's a very good chance that most of these will not be adjudicated before the election. And I think we are winning the battle of public opinion over these indictments. I think people feel they're contrived and that they're put in by the Democrats to try to derail Trump. But I also feel that within the four walls of the indictment, this case is increasingly looking like a loser. Uh, the the 17, 19, 17 indictments that Willis is bringing uh, really are, are all over the place. They're fundamental flaws that they allege a RICO violation, racketeering organization. And to have a RICO vi- violation, you have to have an underlying crime. And trying to win an election is no longer a crime in the United States. Demanding honest ballots is not a crime. Auditing the ballots that were cast to be sure that they were honest, that's not a crime either. And I think that as these facts come out, Trump is going to do just fine. This is 77 WABC, and this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Hi, this is the Dick Morris Show, with, sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Um, there is an incredible, ominous, unbelievable law that is being passed in California. And we're used to that lead. We're used to that tease. But this one really takes the cake. It provides that if a young child, if a child, someone under 18, a minor, says that his parents are not sympathetic with his desire to change his gender, to conform his anatomical agenda to his image of himself. That can be grounds for the judge to deny the real parents custody of their child. And part of the decision to deny custody would be the decision to authorize without parental consent, without parental notification, gender-altering treatment for the child. So your son wants to be a girl, and uh, you can't do anything about it. He wants to be there. And the court holds that he's entitled to be independent, 
and to be a girl if he wants to. It doesn't matter if he's underage or not. And then they go through gender-altering surgery and hormone treatments, and bang, you have a girl. Um, and and the, the problem is that this would go ahead without parental consent, without parental notification. What did you hear, my blue-eyed son? So the, the, the problem is that this gender-altering surgery transforms your son into your daughter. Now, it doesn't sound as good saying my boy, but (laughs) they're going to have to have dual versions of this, maybe with subtitles. This law is the ultimate. The state can literally decide that you are suppressing the gender identity of your child without any attorney representing the kid, without any motion being filed, just simply their view based on a social worker's analysis. And based on that, they can order that your son undergo gender-altering surgery and hormone treatments, uh, which, if he's if it's a girl, could make them infertile for life and, as a boy, lead to huge other complications. And you can't do a damn thing about it. In fact, you may not even be notified that this is taking place. Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. I'm coming home from college, and I got a surprise for you. My name is no longer Jack, it's Jill, and and I'm a girl, and uh, I'm proud to identify as a girl, and don't try to do anything about it, because it's illegal for you to try to make me into what I was born as. It's the ultimate law that says that, that gender is completely fungible, and more importantly, that it can be changed as a result of the state public policy, not as a result of the grievance of any individual citizen. This is the most unbelievable law you can imagine. Now, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has been rumored to be the possible replacement for Joe Biden. And the Democrats certainly seem to need a replacement into realizing that they do. But the but with this baggage, having literally passed a law that says they can, in effect, kidnap your child, perform gender surgery, and return him a girl, or a boy if it's a girl, is so extreme, so enormous, that it's very hard for me to believe that Newsom could be elected dog catcher if he signs this bill. And Newsom has only a yes stamp in his jaw. He has, a, he has no no stamp. So I think this bill will be signed and will be an incredible, unbelievable tragedy. Let's go to Sal in Staten Island. Hi, Sal. Hey, Dick. First of all, my friend, a happy new year to our Jewish Thank brothers you. and sisters. God bless America. God bless Italy. God bless Israel. And Buona Festa di San Gennaro. Okay. Uh, let me hit you with some rapid fire. First of all, what they're doing to Trump, he's not an altar boy, but he did get the job done and he helped we veterans. Um, bottom line, Dick, is they're trying to bankrupt him and they're trying to kill him. He's 77. He has four of these phony <laughs> trumped-up charges, four different locations. They're trying to kill him. God help him. All something this, everyone should know about this. On Staten Island, the South Island, Staten Island, 
in the last Salvation Army store in Staten Island in Grasmere and the South Shore, uh, strapping young men, illegal aliens, or 13 of them holding vouchers that Eric A. Evil Asswipe issued at our tax dollars, and I found out investigated Catholic charities. Yet for 13 weeks, they've denied vouchers for American veterans in the same clothes for 13 months. On top of that, these strapping young guys, Dick, these guys are of military age with no background vetting check across the street from schools. And now I want to put them on Fort Wadsworth, the oldest consecutive active U.S. military base. Okay. We we know that Biden is basically rolling out the welcome mat for illegal immigrants. And the reason he's doing it is obvious. Votes. Uh, and uh, and that's not just the votes of them, but he thinks that that'll help him with Latinos in the U.S. He's wrong, by the way. His poll numbers have dropped among Latinos. And we've been amid the immigration issue, breaking heavily in Trump's favor. But I want to turn to uh, the Democratic strategy to defeat Trump. At the moment, it's all focused on the indictments. It's all focused on trying to drag these across the finish line. And uh, I don't believe they're going to succeed. I don't believe the indictments will mature to a point where they can actually be tried. If they are, I think they will backfire massively and permanently. But there is another Democratic plan, Plan B, which is to return COVID as the major national issue. What did you hear, my blue-eyed son? And what did you hear, my darling young one? I heard the sound of a thunder that roared out a warning. I heard the roar of a wave that could drown the whole world. And it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard. It's a hard rains are gonna fall. Let's be honest. The reason Biden won the 2020 election to the extent that he did is that he began by terrifying voters and telling them they had a choice between voting in person like they'd always done and getting sick with COVID and very possibly dying. And he literally posed the choice of uh, vote by mail or risk your health. And that terrified Americans. Uh, 70 million Americans voted by mail, um, an increase of almost 20-fold over how many had done it in previous years. Now that COVID is fading a little bit and that the death tolls are dropping, thank God, uh, Biden is dusting off the old playbook and bringing back the COVID scare and uh, using COVID to enable absentee ballots and mail-in ballots to replace in-person voting. That's the whole scheme. You know, I got it wrong during the 2020 campaign when I was advising Trump on his strategy. I thought the Democrats had made a real mistake by focusing on COVID. And I wanted to focus instead on the economy coming back. And I said, they're focusing on the past. We're focusing on the future. But that turned out not to be so because I didn't realize that they would use the past and use this issue to try to steal the election and try to keep it out of the hands of honest officials tallying the vote honestly. But I'm once burned, twice shy. I'm now on to this. 
And I think that this is precisely what they're planning to do in this election. Now, the answer to that is that the more we publicize to people that COVID, that what's coming back from COVID is a disease that was invented by the Chinese Communist Party, that was spread by the Chinese Communist Party, and investigations of its source and efforts to contain its spread were barred by the Chinese Communist Party. So this is truly the China virus. And it comes, and Trump has said that, of course, for many years. But what's new about this is we now know that China was paying off Biden. We now know that there were tens of millions of dollars of bribes that went to Hunter Biden and to Joe Biden, some in the guise of legal fees, some as finder's fees, some as just cash. And that money uh, probably had a lot to do with the easy treatment of China. Biden did not authorize any investigation of COVID. He did not authorize any uh, sanctions against China for borrowing inspectors. No trade retaliation, no fines, no reparations, none of that. Not even a harsh critical statement. And in fact, he's opposed those kinds of statements. And it's clear that this is all a payback for what China has given Joe Biden in this massive amount of money. It's the tail end of the story, but it's ultimately the most important story. Let's go to Susan in New Jersey. Hi, Susan. Sorry. Hi. Um, I just want to know if um, President Trump and the Republicans have a plan in effect to prevent voter fraud. Yeah. Well, good question. We're working hard on that. Uh, I think the the most important thing we're going to do is that we're going to overwhelm the possibility of fraudulent votes by legal votes. Uh, in the poll I just cited to you earlier in the show, we have a big lead now among voters who have not yet decided to vote who officially are undecided. And while you can steal a one- or a two-point advantage, you can't steal a five- or ten-point advantage. And I think we're headed in that direction. And I think that's going to be essential. On the ground level, we're altering the laws in a number of states to try to demand voter ID. Now, the Democrats are actually opposing voter ID, saying that they do not want to allow it. What could you possibly want not to allow voter identification? Obviously, it's a device to be able to cheat, and they want to be sure they can cheat. But I think that the Republicans are so galvanized now, so energized, and so understand the way they were defrauded in the last election, that the election places are going to be crawling with Republican inspectors and Republican poll watchers and people who bring Republicans out to vote, often in their own cars. And uh, I do not think the same potential exists for the Democrats to steal the election. Thanks for your question. This is 77 WABC, and this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, the U.N. is meeting, the General Assembly is having its meeting uh, this week uh, in, in New York. And uh, prominent in it will be a visit from uh, Zelensky, uh, who is the head of Ukraine, 
while it's under attack. And we're all waiting to hear what he says. The real question is, is the world going to be held hostage to his demand that Russia not annex a square foot of territory? Ukraine is is two nations rolled into one. 85% of it is Ukrainian, 15% of it is Russian. And the Russians are occupying most of the 15%, but very little of the 85%. The obvious solution to this is to stand still, cease fire, where the Russians can deal with their zone and Ukraine can deal with its zone. And I know the arguments against it are that you're you're rewarding aggression and that you're uh, saying it was okay to seize this territory and you're making concessions in the face of military force. But come on, we're spending a vast amount of money in on this war. Uh, we are shouldering over 80% of the burden. The other NATO countries are shouldering only 15 or 20% of it. And we have to, at some point, jerk the chain and say, you can't just go on doing this endlessly. Uh, we agreed to fight a war of movement, a war against the uh, against the Russian invasion. But now we're stuck in a World War I-type war of attrition that costs huge amounts of money in terms of armaments and also uh, denudes us of our military in other areas. We probably cannot repel a Chinese invasion of Taiwan because all of our equipment is in Ukraine. We probably cannot mount a credible force against Iran if Israel decides to strike, if they go nuclear. Again, our armaments are all in some armory earmarked for shipment to Ukraine. And yet there is no pressure on Zelensky to change. He's being applauded for the hardest of hardline views. We can only hope that at the UN he indicates some flexibility, some willingness to negotiate, and some willingness to address the fact that there are more important things than seeing tens of millions of people killed, uh, Ukrainians or, um, or uh, Russians. And uh, I, th- I hope that he says that in the speech that's coming up. Let's go to Garrett in Staten Island. Oh, uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Morris. And uh, yes, on Tuesday, Joe Biden and Zelensky, the two of them will, as you uh, pointed out, they will be doing their... Uh, PR for more war in Ukraine, and maybe some of us would like to come out and protest. Uh, 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 you know, we're in New York, uh, uh, and uh, here he's coming, and uh, they're coming with that agenda. Uh, thank you for the airtime. Good. Yeah, well, uh, I do believe that it's important that we manifest to Zelensky that there's a limit, that we are not just going to go ahead and give him a blank check. Let's go to Paul in New York City. Hi, Paul. Yes, sir. Uh, I just want to point out that this current situation that Trump finds himself in with all these indictments and, and this this runs parallel to the Zola case in France, as uh, chronicled by uh, Neil Zola. Uh, the same issue. You say Zola, you mean the Dreyfus affair, right? Dreyfus case, Dreyfus yeah. affair. Yes, sir. That's 150 but, but the point years old. Being <laughs> that the the state is basically tearing these, the, this individual apart to achieve a certain goal, and basically to petrify the public into believing that if you even think of something, you're condemned. Yeah. The, the issue here is that half the country are, are Trump devotees. They will vote for Trump. This is a fact. This is 
is not fiction. And with the pressures they are currently under now, the, the gas inflation and, and mortgages and such going through the roof, I think that eventually the Democrats are going to play a card. That is, they're going to use Antifa and Black Lives Matter to, put, to push and pro, pro, provocate these people into some sort of unnecessary action. And they will, be, they will be torn apart just as Trump has been torn apart financially and legally. The fear, the fear goes further in that the, the people who were standing like 150 feet away from the front entrance of the Capitol building were, were being investigated. The FBI went to their homes and, and demanded this and that. Yeah. This is the problem. Anybody peripheral to Trump, even distant from Trump, are fearful that they're going to be drawn into this. And that pressure will drive them forward into well, a potentially violent reaction. I think you're right about the pressure. And I think you're right about the Democratic attempts to entrap that's the fundamental problem with the new indictments of Trump. Uh, it's not so much what he did, but what he said, uh, that he said the election was rigged, and he said that he demanded an honest count of the ballots. And uh, in America today, that's illegal, because they're saying that that's an attempt to override the vote and to steal the election by the, by the Republicans. <clears throat> and I think it's entirely possible that the Democrats will engage in these tactics, which used to be called agent provocateur, as long as you're doing Emile Zola, which is French for the provocative action, where the government deliberately sends agents out to inflame the crowd and then uses that against them. And I think that certainly is possible. I think we have to show discipline and restraint, and the next time you hear somebody on Bullhorn asking you to come out and demonstrate and lead you in a chant, uh, don't. Uh, that's not the way to solve this. The way to solve it is by throwing them out. And we're right on the cusp of doing that. Our polling numbers could not look better. And I just think it would be a shame if we basically turn this election into the kind of mob contest the Democrats would like. Let's go to Chris in Westchester. Yes. Hi, Chris. Uh, yeah, hi, Dick. Hi. Uh, the desperate uh, people you were talking about earlier at the top of your show – who uh, won't vote, they feel totally alienated, and but they would vote for Trump, uh, but they're not going to vote. Well, why couldn't the Democrat Party just pay them <laughs> to vote? I mean, if Mark Zuckerberg could afford $419 million in 2020, uh, that would buy a lot of votes. Well, basically, they did in 2020, uh, in the form of 2016 and 2012. Obama was passing out cell phones and giving people free charge accounts on the cell phones. So basically that was bribery. Um, I had a situation like this in Mexico where I was working for Vicente Fox, who was the reform candidate in Mexico, and he was trying to bring democracy to the country. But the PRI, the governing party, was so firmly entrenched that people were reluctant to vote against it, even though they wanted to. And the PRI was giving away cash, washing machines, everything else, to get people to vote their way. And so I did an ad where there's a, uh, a poor couple, a family, uh, sitting at home in a, in a hut. And there's a knock on the door, and they answer, hello? And he says, senora, I am from the pre. Uh, are you go who are you going to vote for? And she says, oh, like always, I'm going to vote for the pre in La Bastida. And he says, well, that's great. And he reaches back into the trunk and takes out a huge basket of food and gives it to her. And the next scene is he's driving away and she's on the 
doorstep waving. But now she opens the door to a house, and for the first time, you can actually peek inside and see what is in her house. And you see big posters for Fox, down with the pan, we hate La Bastida, vote for Fox, and, uh, and, and she's now sitting at the table eating the food the three people gave him. And she says to her husband, last time and for years, the PRI has cheated me. Now I'm cheating them. And I think that we have to resort to stuff very much like that. Uh, Tony and Clifton. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, I wanted to say, you know, so many things, but I think what I'm what I'm seeing is politically an awakening in our country, and and President Trump. Thank him for all he's doing. He has brought it about because people are seeing that our country has been out of whack, and now it really is starting to disrupt everyone's lives, both domestically and we're fearful internationally. So I want you to let President Trump know that there is an awakening going on. I heard him speak um, on TV at the Pray Vote Stand Summit. It was amazing. And he started with, you know, praying to God. And I think our country is kind of tying in the values that we stand for, the the Judeo-Christian values and saying, you know what, when all else fails, we're trusting in a man who believes in his almighty God and who stands on things that are right, because everywhere he stands, there's there's always good things. And everywhere the Biden administration goes, there's always corruption. There's always internationally and domestically. We're just, as people, not sure what's going on in our country anymore. So let President Trump know that. I, I will. I will. You know, it's interesting. As you were talking, I was thinking that on this show a year ago, uh, or certainly two years ago, I might have talked about Biden and I would criticize his stand on illegal immigration. I'd criticize him for um, opening our borders, for uh, weakening our defense, for running huge budget deficits that kindles inflation and all of that stuff. But now the issue has become very much, is he corrupt? Does he steal money? Is his are the government policies forced by the bribes that China has paid him. When he closes down American mines for rare earth minerals, is he doing it because he wants to protect the lake that's nearby or because he wants to create an artificial scarcity that will drive up the price and will reward China? When he takes the position that he's going to, uh, that he's going to push for electric cars and going to repeal the uh, the mandate, I'm going to repeal the mandates that you have gas vehicles as well as electric cars. Is he doing that because he believes in it, or is he doing it to appease the United Auto Workers, which is now on strike? Uh, I think that the second-guessing of Biden's motives uh, has grown to a very significant point, and I think that it's kindling a feeling of, of outrage and alienation and everything else in our country. Um, go to Shane and Mel- Malapan. I just learned how to pronounce that. Hey, I saw Doug Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google, 100. Okay. Uh, go to Donald in New York. Hi, Mr. Morris. Uh, this is Donald. So I wanted to ask you, I, um, are you familiar with uh, Professor John Mearsheimer from the University of Chicago? No. Okay. So, uh, I mean, look, uh, he g- gave a lecture to a 
graduated university. Uh, he's probably one of the preeminent uh, international, uh, leading international authorities on geopolitics. And he, he gave a lecture to his graduate students about, and it gives you maybe $100 million worth of insight into the past, present, and future of the Ukraine. And and I, it's, I mean, as enlightened as you are, I, it's difficult for me to imagine you're not being familiar with it, but I, I implore you to check this what out. What did he say? It's on, it's on, it's yeah, on but what did he YouTube. say? Well, basically, he, 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 the title of it, the title of the uh, lecture is why the Ukraine is the West fault. And, and it's a beautiful, it, it, it's just game changing, mind changing. And every American that the Russian is, invasion of Ukraine is our fault. One thousand percent. Um, you know, get that? And, I'm sorry. How does he get that? Ukraine it, is a peaceful country minding its own business. <laughs> And no, 200,000 troops show up at its border and cross them the, and begin the, shooting the at them. Brilli- the, the lecture is brilliant. Uh, I, I couldn't do it justice, and, and I know you're busy, et cetera. And if you give it give it the time to, to just listen to this, and no. it's on YouTube, you know, why the Ukraine is the, West, the fault of the West. And he also repeated, and it's from 2015, which it, which it could have been given yesterday well, or, you. you know, last week, last month. Thank you, Gary. Let's go to Gianna in Brooklyn. Hello. Hi. Thank you very much for your program and all your insight. Uh, I wanted to comment on Gavin Newsom in California. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about him? <laughs> well, I think um, he's running for president. I think he's he's the understudy uh, for Joe Biden. I think that if Biden becomes fatally flawed, if the impeachment uncovers evidence that requires potentially his removal, and if, uh, and if the Hunter thread unravels a vast conspiracy that can't be denied, I think there's a very good chance that Newsom will step into the race and run. Bear in mind, coming from California, he already has a handle on about 10% of the votes, and he needs 50 to win. So he's a strong candidate. And things like this earlier segment I did about cottoning to the uh, radical gay community I think is all dedicated to trying to give him an edge in a race for president. But thank you very much. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 